All right, time for part two of uh, Jose Higueras here on Holding Court. You'll be happy to know, Jose, that my lesson went extremely well. I played with an older woman, um, and uh, she just wants to learn, wants to get better. So that's what it's all about, right? Not surprised about hearing that, that it went well. And as long as as, uh, they want to learn, that's, that's the fun of the whole deal. You know, it's funny because, uh, and I want to transition into the into your our USTA story, but more from your standpoint. But I guess when I first started working, especially with kids, I thought to myself, "Well, it's all about having fun. It's all about improving." And then I realized shortly after I started spending a lot of time on court that actually learning is the most important, isn't it? Because when kids, especially kids, but anybody, obviously this is a woman in her seventies who took the lesson from me today. When people want to learn, they enjoy things so much more, don't they? Yeah, I, I will agree with that. I think getting better is about as much fun as you can have. Yeah. You know, that, that's, uh, and it makes you feel good. And it, and if you're engaged, I mean, it's just so much more, uh, there's so much more purpose, you know, if, uh, and obviously, you don't have to run the lesson like a like a military drill or anything like that. But um, but obviously, getting better, I think, is, is very is very uh, uh, it feels good. Yeah. And I think uh, I think sometimes kids kind of kind of lack a little a little bit of that structure or that mindset, to be honest. So the, so the, so one of the many reasons, of course, I talked about a little bit earlier that that uh, I thought you were the man for the job was because of your attitude, your experience, but. Also, because you had a uh, uh, what we call the coaching philosophy, um, right. and, and while we knew that it was going to be difficult to implement that entirely around the country, weren't really trying to do that. But within our own coaching staff at the USTA, so maybe start from that standpoint of about your philosophy and, and why we agreed that that was an important part of uh, our attempt to help American tennis. Yes, well, if I may. Yes, I one step back. Um, sure. Patrick, when uh, when you called me, uh, I think it was March of uh, 2008. Uh, I've been I've known the USDA and I've been involved with the USDA for about 30 years on and off, but always as an independent contractor. And uh, and it was a reason for that. And the reason is that I've seen it through the years how there is so much change that is uh, very difficult or impossible to actually uh, get things done. So. So that's why it took me so long until October of that of, of that year that after uh, Roger won the, the uh, U.S. Open to make the decision to take the job because I was assured that, that they were going to let us uh, do what we were set to do uh, with enough time, which is probably, as I told the board at the time, it was going to be between 10 and 12 years. Right. So so once I got in... Um, Boy, uh, it was it was really it was really nothing. The, the the country in terms of our of our coaches education in terms of uh, if you compare it with the world, we were way behind. And I remember me telling you, I said, Patrick, uh, I can coach a player or two, but I cannot coach the whole country. So that's what it came about. Uh, while we sat down with uh, with all of us, and also we reached out to the private sector, spoke to um, to coaches, spoke to uh, ex players. Uh, Spoke to other people from from other countries, and uh, and we put together a pretty simple uh, guideline, you know, on how on how to. Uh so a, a way to to give the kids a chance to become successful as they get older. So that's why um, we started. We put together that, that teaching and coaching philosophy. That uh, if you remember, for three years, we took it to all over the country, through all the sections. 
Uh, we made great uh, inroads with uh, with our relationship with the uh, with the private sector, which was non-existent at the time, and uh, it wasn't easy. But uh, but I think that was a huge step. And actually, uh, and actually, at this point, um, I believe USPTA and, uh, and is, is collaborating with the USDA uh, with the coaches education with the coaches education program, and and the uh, the footprint of, of our philosophy is what is, is what is there. So. I thought it was a huge thing, and it took us once again three years, uh, tough years traveling all over the country, making relationships, talking to people, and uh, and that was the first step. And obviously, obviously, our coaches at, at the time was um, you know were the, the uh, priority, but uh, but we got some coaches also from from out of the country. Once again, just get some perspective, you know, from different places that did things well. And I, I thought it was a success, to be honest. And it's still, we're still, we're still working with that. So yeah, that and, the- and, and interesting because we took a lot of slings and arrows. <clears throat> Yours truly got most of them um, from you know trying to implement this from from the private sector. And now that I'm in the private sector, I I can see that yes. side of it. You know, people <laughs> thinking they know how to um, train coach uh, train players, which a lot of them do. Um, yes, and and also from as you said in the, uh, on the coaching standpoint. Um, but you know, the sections also sort of run their own independent businesses, so to speak. So we, 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 ran into a lot of obstacles. I got a lot of heat because, uh, you know, doing multiple things that I was doing, working on television and so yeah. on. So I think eventually that caught up to me in my role, but, uh, you know, we, we were pretty, pretty strong about, the, our belief that this should happen. And as you said, also the other thing we, people gave us a lot of crap about was hiring coaches from different parts of the world, which I think we thought was, was a smart thing to do because, uh, you know, players are coming from all different parts of the world. And so that yeah. helped, I thought, educate our own coaches that were, whether they're foreign or American and also the players that we were yeah. working with. Yes, I mean, we, we encountered quite a bit of resistance at the beginning, but once again, it wasn't about telling people what to do. It was about just sharing a document that is alive still and, and, it, and it's, gonna, it's evolving with time. Uh, but it was a pretty, pretty simple. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a very high-performance uh, coaching um, education. It was, it was uh, having some parameters in, in, uh, on how we teach the kids. So, so for example, if... Uh, uh, why would we teach a kid to, to take the racket back on the forehand side with the racket below the hand? Well, h- how many players in the world that are good do that? None. So there's some pretty simple parameters so we can actually agree on. And, and I think, um, I mean, after, uh, after a few years, I'll tell you what, for me, what, that was one of the biggest achievements that we, mm. that we had because the country came together, the, the culture uh, started to change. And we saw we saw uh, those results uh, four or five years on the road, which I thought it, it was what the time that it was going to take. Now, um, fast forward to when uh, I left the USTA, and I'll 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 be honest now, since it's so many years uh, removed from, and I don't I don't know if I've ever told you exactly what happened with me. I'm not going to say I was fired, but I'm going to say that I probably would have been fired if I didn't decide that uh, when we when the USTA made the decision to go to the Orlando, which I was a big part of, I think helping. Uh, create that that situation and uh, the training center. I I think basically if I had said, no, I really want to go to Orlando, which I didn't want to do for a a number of reasons, I probably would have been fired. I'm pretty sure I would have been. So, uh, you know, there was sort of an agreement there between me and my bosses at the USDA that that would be the best way to go. Obviously, I was getting a lot of... uh, 
heat from, you know, as I said, doing other things and people felt maybe rightly so that I should be a hundred percent focused on my job at the USTA. Right. Of course I thought I was, and I thought having a different outlet in some ways actually helped me have a yes. little bit more, um, not freedom is the wrong word, but maybe authority and, and not so beholden to just working for the USDA. But from your standpoint, how did, how were you reading the tea leaves as, you know, we got deeper into this? Well, I, I was devastated, to be honest. I, I remember when you called me and told me uh, about, about the uh, decision. I was in a visiting a friend of mine that was pretty sick in uh, a couple of hours from New York. And I was pretty devastated because you you know better than anybody the amount of work. I mean, I I, I traveled two, two million miles mm. doing that. And uh, you know how much work. And, and I knew what was coming because I've seen it before. And that was my why I was so skeptical I was taking the job in the first place. So when that happened, uh, two days later, I walked into a, a Gordon, uh, Gordon, um, Gordon Smith's office, which was our, our, CEO, our CEO, and uh, and I told him my, my, my fears. I said, I said, Gordon, look where the program is. We have a great, we were the envy of the world mm. at, the ta- at the time with the girls and with the boys. And, uh, and the world that we, that we did the, the, the past five years was starting to come up. So anyway, I went and relayed my, my concerns to him about the new person coming in, about being able to keep to keep doing what we were doing. And then I actually I actually called the president at the time, Patrick Galbraith, and I had a meeting with him at the highest. And I told him exactly the same thing. And I told him that I wouldn't be very happy if that would happen. And uh, but it happened. You know, change came. Change came with with, uh, with good intentions, uh, and our program pretty much uh, got dismantled. You know, our our director of, of men got got fired. Uh, we brought we brought another another guy that was a, an absolute disaster. Um, the, the the funds that were going to the juniors because everything our idea was to, to everything from the bottom up. They start with the sections, they start with the children, and then all the way up to give them a chance to be pros if they wanted to do that or go to college. That was the whole that was the whole idea. But then the funds, the funds were taken away from that. They were taken away from Christian education and went uh, to the pros, which right. uh, to the pros that, that most of them or, or a lot of them were making enough money to actually subsidize their career, which is what they should do once they make enough enough money because the resources should go for the younger kids. So, so the same thing happened with the with the with the uh, sports science department. Um, I mean, let me tell you uh, when when we were doing that with uh, Doctor Lovers. Uh, the, uh, we had 2,000 uh, coaches going to the high-performance coaching program, and another 5,000 that we that we did through the sections, you know, with the uh, with the camps that we did in the sections, and then in uh, and also at, at the national centers. So basically, that that was the change that I was fearing, and that's and that's exactly and that's exactly what happened. Let me let me and, let, and, let me let me yeah. play, let me play devil's advocate since I'm uh, you know do, try, supposed to be sort of a pseudo journalist doing my own podcast. Yes. But I'll I'll attack myself. Why not? Uh, so I'll say, well, uh, that's all well and good, but where are the players? You know, because this is what I hear right in my job at ESPN and yes. over the years. So obviously, we we the United States has had many top female players, but uh, and we've got some good young American male players, but nobody at the top. So if I'm someone from the outside, I'm saying, what's this guy talking about? They had such a great program. Where are all the great players? How do you okay, respond to that? I, I'll respond very easily. You cannot, in my opinion, you cannot have a, a program uh, to develop Grand Slam champions. 
the Grandson Champions Camp. You can have a program and, and have everything in place to facilitate that, uh, the development of somebody that has what it takes in terms of, of, uh, of talent and mental toughness and, and, uh, and uh, athleticism and so on to become a world champion. So, but everything starts from the beginning. And, and we started from the, from the beginning right. We, in, 1970, in 2017, I believe it was, uh, we had uh, our, our juniors uh, won the French Open, champion and runner-up, Wimbledon, champion and runner-up, U.S. Open, champion and, run, and runner-up. And then Stefan Kozlo won the Australian Open and beat uh, Zverev 0-1. Okay, so, so, so everything starts from the beginning. You, you don't plant a tree, a, a, a two-foot, uh, you know, tall tree and expect to get two, two, uh, two tons of, of fruit the first year. So, so the base was set for that. And, and, that, and, that, and that was something that, so if you look at, if you look at the players that we have now, those are the kids that we started. I mean, right. I mean, uh, you, you know, Radio Pelka, Tommy Paul, and also, also working with some of these, uh, like, you know, like Francis, we had a great relationship with, uh, with JTCC, with, with, uh, up in, up in Maryland, with, uh, with Taylor Fritz, you know, that his dad was, was the one that started him in coaching and everything. So it wasn't, it wasn't all us, but we had a great, we were the, we were the envy of the world. And another thing, you know, people talk about diversity. I mean, the women, the success of the women in this country has been pretty much overlooked. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you're we, right we, about that. Doing, yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, we've been doing unbelievable. So my point is, our boys, I mean, those boys, uh, if you look at, at the history of, of, of the juniors, if you become a top or the best junior in the world, your chances of becoming a good player are pretty good. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to win slams because it takes more than that. Right. So, so, so our base was, our base was, you know, was great. Now, when at the time we used to work with ninety percent of the of, of the players, men and women. Do you know how many we're working now with? How many? Not too many. Not too many or none. And you why? Know, so, why do you think that is? You mean are you talking about well, the professional I, players or the players are it, kind of breaking not, through? Not, not, not the professionals. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, then what happened when that change happened? We lost a lot of our good coaches. That are actually working now with our best prospects. So, so, so basically, we lost about 200 years of experience. And, wow. and as you know, as you know, you don't become a coach from one day to the other. You can read all, all the books you like. I mean, you need the hours on courage and, and experience. So, so I, I thought we were in a great place. Like I think we are in a great place now again. For example, um, you have our this group of boys, you know, with Riley and and, and Francis and and Tommy and, and all these boys. That, that were they were better than Zverev and Tim and all that group, but the difference was the, the difference was because I believe these guys are as good as, 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 as all those guys to be honest with you. I really don't because mm. they were better, but but they kind of they kind of and it happens at times you know where you, you're young you, you you touch a little fame touch a little money so they they stopped doing what we were doing basically, but but uh, in the last two years year and a half they came back to, to actually do what, what the professionals do. And they are catching up. And I, and I believe I believe we're going to see some really good things from, from some of these guys, to be honest with you. So basically, the structure, I mean, basically, Martin, when, I, when we were running the program, and when I was running the program on my, on what I was doing, and you were doing, sports is a, is a, a meritocracy. Right. You don't advance mm-hmm. if, you don't, if, if, if you don't win, right? Where the USDA is not. And that, and that, so that's, you, so that's in you, your opinion, the biggest thing that's changed since I left or since you, you've kind of moved on. 100%. From your, yeah. Okay. 
so, so in 2018, I was going to quit. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, I, I still had another year or two years under my contract. But seeing how the situation was going, I was going to quit. I talked to Ola. I talked to Ola, and, and I said, Ola, uh, you should take a job. Because they need somebody. You know Ola as well as I do. I, I think he's great. I think he's an extremely capable coach and, and got a great tennis mind and well-organized. And he said, Jose, I will not take the job if you, if you, if you leave. So, so anyway, we came to terms and we kind of went back again to what we were doing before. And actually, we have a really good group of boys coming up again, uh, you know, 14 year olds. So once again, everything started, but we wasted four years, almost five years where we, where we, um, where, where we neglected, uh, five, six or seven age groups. Yeah, it's always and, and yeah. That, it's always it's you know I find and I've 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 kept my distance for the most part. I've obviously kept in touch with you and Ola Momquist, by the way, who's the director of coaching now for the USTA. Yeah. Uh, th- th- I only have one correction to make to you, Jose. I think Kozlov lost in the final of the Australian Open Juniors to Zverev, but anyway, he got he won the Orange Bowl, played Tiafo as we remember in the final. So I get your overall point, yeah. but I I think what um what what's happened is, and this is always very tricky because, you know, when you take over the role and, and, and I love Martin Blackman, who's, who's taken over so do I. and you so know, do he I. worked for us when we were first starting out and we yeah. roomed together at Stanford. I have a lot of respect for him, but you, you, you know, some, in some instances, your hands are tied a little bit. And I think some of the direction that the USDA decided to go were, were financial reasons, um, you know, cutting the budgets of the sections. And even this was even pre COVID. So that, that, that is, you know, I sort of get, but I do think that where um, Martin went a little bit astray, and, and you just said it to me, so that's why I bring it up, is, is is saying yes to a lot of people. And, you know, one of the things that I did, which got me, you know, people, a lot of people pissed off at me was not say yes. You know, whether yeah, it's to certain players, like you said, I, I always felt that the players that made it on the tour should, we could help them as the USTA if they wanted help, but we shouldn't be, you know, supplying them with full-time coaches and giving them money, which is what uh, a lot of players ask for. And uh, so when you say no to them or ex-great players, for example, we, we you and I know some stories there that we won't divulge yeah. on this podcast um, of certain players that, you know, just ask for a, a, a huge amount of money. And so it was my job to, to say no to a lot of those people. Yeah. And, I, and I think maybe Martin went the other direction too early in saying yes to yeah. a lot of people. Um, and then you lose that meritocracy that you're talking about. So I'm glad to hear that you think it's coming back. Um, and wh- what do you think it's going to take again for a U.S. male player? Because again, I, I, I'm going to look at this from 60,000 feet. I mean, I know my answer to this. Your answer to w- what's it going to take for a U.S. male player to win a major tournament? You know, once again, I think this guy, I think this group of guys, we have a good group of players, with, uh, and I'm going to name some of them. Uh, you have uh, Tommy Paul, you have Raleigh Opelka, you have Taylor Fritz. You have Francis Tiafoy, you have Jason Brooksby, you have uh, Brandon Nakajima, Sebastian uh, Corda, Sebastian Corda. I mean, we have we are in, we are in a good place if we actually let things play out. But we have to keep working on the bottom. Mm. So actually, we don't have a hole. And and because once again, Martin, you can I don't believe you. you I cannot guarantee you can give me all the money in the world. I cannot guarantee you I'm going to get a Grand Slam champion in five years. But I guarantee you, I have a bunch of good players. Right, and that was and that and that, and that was really our goal from the start, wasn't it? Because I think we yes. knew that going in. Yes. So you know, so so basically, from from what I see, these guys are catching up. They really are. 
And I think they're going to surprise some people. You know, so 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 what is he going to take? He's going to take a little more confidence. He's going to take maybe a little more work the way they've been doing it for the last year and a half or two years. And and I believe they are as good as, as, as the other guys. So, so, but once again, but you got to keep feeding that system. Mm, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, we, and we have the resources to do that. Now, now, from what you said before, you know, change is coming again. I mean, change is coming again. We got, we got a new CEO that right. all of a sudden, all of a sudden, uh, player development is under community tennis. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you ever seen anywhere in the world that the high performance uh, program is under the community program? No, I have not. I, I, I haven't. So I don't know exactly what the thought is, uh, but change is coming again. And that and, and that what is scary. You know, that what is scary because things are, are starting to fall in place again. In the last since since all I took you know took the job, once again if you look at Le Petit Ash, if you look at the the, um, the the young kids, we have a good group of boys coming up again. And girls. I mean we are bo- bo- boys and girls. So the problem is that there is change there is no continuity. And and I will repeat it again. That was my hesitance about taking the job. Because 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 when you take a job like that with a country as big as this country, it takes ten to twelve years to actually see if what you're doing is working or not. And 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 basic and basically the more the more uh, you know Patrick I'll I'll have some uh, I'll have some some uh, um some 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 numbers here. So for example, if you look at the girls, I'm going to read you some of the girls, and then I'm going to tell you how many we work with them. In the last 12 years, uh, girls, uh, women in the, in the top 100. You have, you have um, I don't have to go through all of them, but you have, you know, um, Sloan Stevens, right. Sonia Kenny, Madison Keys, Coco Vanderway, uh, Collins, Jenny Brady, uh, Coco, uh, Jess, Jessica Pirula, Alison Rees, Barbara Lechenko, Anisimova, um, Christina McHale, Jamie Hampton, Lauren Davis, Bethany Maddox. I mean, and the list goes on and on until 39. Okay, so out of those girls, of those ladies, uh, we we were we were full-time or close with all except Coco Goff, Jessica Pegula, Collins, and Burdett. Mm-hmm. So out of out of 37, we we were we coached full-time or close to full-time cooperating with their coaches, depending on their needs, with 97% of the players. The same happened with the men. And, and that kind of shows you a little bit, it kind of shows you the, uh, the, uh, how, how the cooperation went with the, you know, with the private sector. I mean, you're not going to keep everybody happy. That's, that's obvious. But, but that, I mean, those are the numbers. The same with the men, you know, with Mary Fish, uh, Isner, Sock, Query, Opelka, Fish, Johnson, Tiafo, Corda, Young, Harrison, Sangren, Paul, Donaldson, Baker, and so on and so on and so on. We work with everybody full-time or very close to full-time, except with, with John Isner, uh, Brooksby, Crazy, uh, Russell, Nakajima, that I actually worked with him last year, right. and Odesnik. The rest of the players, we work with them full-time or very close to that. And at, and, and at this point, we don't work with anybody. Interesting, but a lot, but a lot of our coaches are working. And the the thing, Martin, with I mean, Martin, I'm sorry, uh, Patrick, with uh, with player development, is that people don't know the story. People don't know the story because one thing that that I was told when when Dave Haggerty was was president of the USDA was that that PD could not take any any credit for anything. Right. And 
And so people think we just go and, and pretty much, uh, you know, scratch our head all day long. But, but this is somewhat a little bit of, of the work that was done d- d- during that time. Listen, Jose, I mean, you don't need to tell me, but um, I appreciate all that you have done and I know will continue to do. And uh, there's a lot more to, you know, we could go on for hours and hours and maybe maybe we'll do part three and part four. I'm sure the insiders in the tennis world uh, will love to hear this. I'll be interested once uh, I put it out, which I will do very shortly, uh, yeah. what the response is from people. But I appreciate you. Uh, wanting to tell this part of the story and putting it out there, and like you said, you're, you, you, it's a, it's a team effort, you know, and that was always our our mission, uh, you it know, is. in the taking credit part. I mean, I see it from my side now, and working from our own academy. You, you, I have coaches here that work with me, work for me, whatever you want to say at the McEnroe Academy that spend all this time with players, and they don't want the USTA to steal them and take them away. So I, I kind of see in both both sides of it now, which, you know, I, maybe I would have even hopefully have done a better job if I had had that experience before, but I think that was always our mission. Um, yes. and people can argue, well, the, the USA really didn't coach this player or whatever. It, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. It, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't. Patrick. And the thing is, you know, once again, you have, uh, you have, uh, some of the players that, that, that I'm mentioning here, you help people differently, differently according to their needs. Right. We cannot coach. We cannot coach everybody. We can. If we don't want to coach everybody, if somebody has a good situation at home, why would we want to take that kid away from home? So you have. So you have the coach. We we normally offer the offer the players according to their situation. And I think the the relationship. You, you take uh, Sebastian Corda for example. Well, Sebastian, you know Peter, his dad. He started him, and he always extremely involved. But he he gets like twenty five weeks with Dean Golfman, which is a really 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 good coach. Mm-hmm. And and, uh, and somebody else gets a certain conditioning guy, and somebody else gets some mental help, and somebody right. gets so 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 once again, it, it's about it's about it's a team effort. It's not a USDA or PD effort. It's, it's a country. It's a country effort, and and uh, and that's the only way to make it. But the, I was just gonna make one point, Patrick. The reason for me to come out and say all this, I have I have no as you guys say, I have no dog on this fight. Um, uh, my reason is we can do better. We have the resources to do better. We should have the best program in the world because we have the, the resources to do that. And and I think once again, if if we can if we can come together and actually let somebody to that gets get somebody that you think can do the job and give them the time to do it. And that's the other thing that I'm kinda a little bit a little bit hurt is because of that, because I know the amount of work that we have put into the whole thing and then and then see that pretty much just washed. And, and start all over again, and, and all over again, and all over again. It's pretty frustrating. And I think our kids, our kids, and our tennis community as a whole deserve better than that. And I, and that comes from somebody that loves tennis. And once again, I, I am not looking for a job. Believe me, I'm already, uh, I'm not a puppy anymore. Well, listen, uh, I'm going to be out there for the BNP Paribas Open. I expect Jose to you to treat me yet again to some of your world famous tequila. Um, out on your ranch and thank you for agreeing to come on and tell your side of the story and we will stay in touch my friend thank you amigo I appreciate it Patrick Jose Higueras everyone on Holding Court Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media Mudhouse Media